Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, senior media editor at Digiday. Tim, you had this week's interview, and your guests were Devin Joseph, the executive producer of original social video at NBC News, as well as Stephanie Scrafano, the director of social platforms at NBC News. Um, curious, why did you want to have them on the episode this week? Yeah, I'd been wanting to do like a, a deep dive episode on TikTok, um, basically like what is it actually like day to day to operate a TikTok presence, you know, as a publisher? And so Devin, someone I talked to a couple times last year, um, spent election night at NBC News and was able to like see his team in action. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, talk with him and Stephanie just about how NBC News puts together its TikTok post because um, they also, NBC News has multiple TikTok accounts and there's like some differences across the accounts and there's also differences in terms of the types of videos that NBC News is putting up on TikTok. So it just felt like a really good opportunity to really dig in on all things TikTok. Got it. And so I know TikTok can be a interesting platform for sharing news, especially breaking news. Um, curious how they really approach um, their operations for a TikTok news presence. Yep. Yeah. So they're effectively like two main teams working on the TikTok accounts. Um, the one led by Stephanie is more of the like breaking news kind of daily coverage. Um, so, you know, news videos that go up on, you know, the site and, and are kind of, you know, either news videos or, you know, user-generated stuff with some text or some voiceover. And then Devin's team um, does more like original videos. And so it's, at one point in the conversation, we kind of talk about how like Stephanie's team is putting together kind of like the daily coverage or like the daily news coverage. And Devin's team is kind of doing the TikTok equivalent of like features for TikTok, which is kind of funny to say about like, you know, 60 second or less video, short form videos. <laughs> but uh, that's that's where we're at in 2023. Got it. Awesome. Well, I'll let you guys get into it. Sounds like an interesting episode. Absolutely. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks, Tim. Devin Joseph, Stephanie Scrafano, thanks for joining us on the Digiday podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. I wanted to have you both on because I've been wanting to do an episode that's kind of like a deep dive into like what a TikTok news operation is like. Like at this point, there's a good number of news outlets that are on TikTok. NBC News was pretty early to TikTok. I think you all, well, like you kind of set up the TikTok team formally, I think in December 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then obviously it's been a big year since then with the war in Ukraine um, and then everything that you know else that's been going on domestically as well. And so I think where I want to start is since we have you both on the show is kind of like talking about your individual roles, because I think that'll help to kind of set the foundation for what the NBC News TikTok operation looks like. So Stephanie, I'll start with you. Can you kind of you know describe what you like your day to day is? Yeah, totally. So I'm the director of social. So I oversee distribution across all of our social platforms from TikTok to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, so my day-to-day -day is overseeing a team of about um, nine people who um, handle news distribution across all of those platforms. 
Um, but the reason that um, Devin and I kind of partner together is because my team is already doing a lot of that quick turn video um, for other platforms. So we're also doing it for TikTok as well. So I have a producer on my team who is actively looking through news content, um, looking at the video that we might already be turning for Twitter, and then also, um, you know, using it for TikTok, editing it, captioning it, um, and, you know, making sure that it feels native to the platform and to all of the platforms that we're posting to. Got it. So Devin, does that mean like you then come in and your team and kind of put the like TikTok spice on things in addition to doing more like TikTok specific stuff? So Gab on Steph's team does cut stuff herself as well. Um, she just tends to do more of the faster Biden speech. What are the three best or two best moments that we're pulling? Um, my team will more so do so like, what is the explainer from that speech? If, if there is one, like what is the sort of like larger takeaways that aren't sort of like the immediate turnaround videos? Got it. Okay. So there were, there are like two state of the union related TikToks that I like remember seeing. One was kind of like the state of the union in 90 seconds. The other was the folks video where it's just all the different times Biden said folks. So those two videos, who are the teams that handled each of those? Gab on my team handled both of those videos. They were, the folks video was a fun one. Um, We used that across the board all over social um, because we just loved it so much. But um, so kind of, it's kind of like the news kind of will start with my team. And then that step forward, that deeper dive will come from Devin's team. So it's kind of a nice split between our teams because we can kind of, you know, do it all in some way. Um, So, you know, we're live clipping moments as they happen. And then Devin's team might come in and, you know, do the explainer or take it, you know, um, push the story forward um, in some way. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then, for example, like the, the United States in Union, we worked with Medi from MSNBC. He did a response to Sarah Huckabee Sanders' response. So, you know, it wasn't the Biden speech. It was the takeaway from the takeaway about the speech. Steph, you'd mentioned you're, you have a nine-person team. Devin, I saw your team in person back in November when I came by yes. on election night. But, I mean, that was early November, which in this realm, like, could be, you know, years ago. What's the, the size of the team at this point? So now I'm focused on TikTok. There are now five people on my team focused on TikTok. Um, and it's just to me, that would make six. Um, and then we have um, four producers who are focused on YouTube as well. And then having the two teams like seems really helpful, but also seems like it would require a lot of communication. Is everything just being done by Slack or like what's the process in figuring out who's doing what, how to you know collaborate, how to kind of you know, when there are times where it's like better to stay in your own lane. Yeah, we're super lucky. Our teams work extremely well together. We have a Slack channel where everyone's kind of popping in, mentioning what they're seeing. You know, producers will call out if they're going to clip something, if we have something that, you know, even if it's a quick turn, maybe we need Devin's team to help us out on getting it up more quickly so someone from his team might lend a hand. Um, So everyone works very, very closely together. It's very collaborative. Um, But there's a lot of conversation in that channel as well, kind of talking about, you know, what's the next step in this story? I mean, we did, you know, the um, story about the New York City restaurant where the pride flag was lit on fire over the weekend. Devin dropped in today that the woman was just arrested. So we'll do that next step in the story. And if we need to go further than that, Devin's team will probably grab that too. Um, So there's lots of conversation happening in a 
Slack channel um, where we're kind of just calling out what we're working on, calling out if anyone on our team sees something something trending that they think, you know, we should jump on, um, any storylines that, you know, maybe you know, there's a lot of conversation happening in that channel where our teams can collaborate and can work together on um, storylines that are happening and, um, you know, call out what we're seeing across social, across Twitter, across TikTok. Our teams are pretty young, which is great because they're very native to the platform. Um, so they're able to, you know, really call out what they're seeing in their For You pages. Um, and, you know, the way the the platform works is not everyone's going to see the same thing. So it's really nice to be able to get everyone's view on, you know, what they're seeing come up for them, um, you know, what different types of news is making it to their feeds that day. Um, so it, it's a great collaborative effort. Stephanie, your team sounds like, you know, kind of what we think of, you know, at Digiday is like our daily news coverage. And then we have, you know, I think every news organization then has like the features too, where it's like the longer leads, you know, stuff, you know, Devin, it sounds like your team is like kind of the TikTok version of the features team. Is that at yeah, all? Which is it? which is so funny because it's like features, but sometimes features can take like three hours. You know, it's like that's really <laughs> um, but yeah, that is a good way to think about it. Is is that um yeah, my side is more so the feature side. Although, you know, like we stuff mentioned earlier too. It's it's weird, you know, when we try to explain our teams to outside people because, like, I don't know, to us day to day, it feels like we're just one giant team. Um, it's like, yeah, the org says, like, this person reports to this person, but because we are talking so often in the channel, like, you know, people on my team are talking directly with, with Steph's reports as well. Um, so it is, it, it is shocking how um, smooth uh, the process is, considering there's so many people from, you know, different parts of the org working together. Right. And I imagine like sometimes it can be really easy to figure out what should get covered. We've already talked about the state of the union, but then there are things where it's like, oh, is this where it's not so obvious that it's like a worthwhile news story or a news story that would necessarily pop. But then it's like, well, this woman in Alaska got run over by a moose. That, <laughs> that, that's something that people end up being interested in. How was that? How is it decided like, oh, this is something we need to cover on the TikTok? It's really about like what is engaging, right, for the audience, right? And, and you know, some stuff is really sort of like we, you know, low hanging fruit. Everyone has their low hanging fruit. You know, a woman gets run over by a moose. We have that great video. We have an interview with the woman. Um, yeah, we're going to cut that. And then there's some stuff that like we got to work a little bit harder to make it engaging for the audience, right, where we do some great reporting, um, you know, at NBC and there are important stories that don't have a, the visual um, sort of <laughs> woman getting ran over by a moose. So like, what is our hook into that story um, to get people interested? I think from all, you know, everything that we're covering, we're always thinking about the audience and how they're going to receive it. Um, you know, we don't sort of approach it as like, we are the news. We should, you know, you should just trust us to tell you what's important because on TikTok, that just does not work. You know, like if you're not trying to meet the audience where they are and sort of engage with them in conversations in a way that like feel native to the platform, like they're just not going to watch it. Um, even in many cases, when we do do like what we think internally is really engaging hooks, um, the audience doesn't watch it. Right. So it's, for us, it's constantly a conversation about like, are we making sure 
that this story is framed in a way or presenting the story in a way that is going to be most engaging to the audience. And for that Moose video, so there are multiple NBC News TikTok accounts. There's like the main NBC News account and then like Stay Tuned has an account. The Moose video was posted to both Stay Tuned and the NBC News accounts, but there are like slight differences with them on the Stay Tuned one. It was the news clip or, you know, kind of the user generated, you know, clip of the woman getting run over by a moose. But there was also the news clip of, you know, that woman who got run over being interviewed. And then on NBC News, it was just the woman who shot the, you know, original video of the other woman getting run over. And like, you can hear her kind of narrating what's going on, asking the woman if, if it's okay. And it felt more like as if that woman had just uploaded it to her own personal TikTok account. What was the the creative you know, decisioning behind having the two different types of videos and, you know, which goes up on which account? It's a good question. Um, we will sometimes post similar videos across both accounts, but in a little bit of a different way to t- try to attract the different audiences. So for Stay Tuned, you know, the TikTok audience is very young, but on Stay Tuned, it tends to be even younger. On NBC News, you know, I think from the audience's perspective, we are kind of what's known as the main news brand, right? I think there's a little bit of um, a disconnect between what the audience sees as NBC News and Stay Tuned. And I think in some cases, they don't even necessarily see them as connected, even though it's an NBC property. So, you know, what we post on NBC News, I think will, you know, continue to be mostly that straight news content, whereas Stay Tuned might have a little bit of a lighter, edgier spin on it. It might be something that would attract a little bit of a, you know, more um, internet uh, native audience, even though people on TikTok in general are internet native. Um, but the way we approach both accounts does differ in a lot of ways because of the audiences across all of the um, social platforms for those two brands. Oh, that's really interesting. Cause like I would have thought, you know, then the, the clip where the woman's being interviewed on the news talking about the attack would have then like gone onto the NBC news, TikTok account, because like it felt more like a newsy video. Whereas the other one where it's just like a slightly edited version of the woman who, you know, the phone clip, um, would have gone on the stay tuned. But so was it that you saw like, oh, with this interview with the woman being like, I thought it was like a car or something that got me out of, not a moose, that that's what made it more like, less like traditional straight news? A lot of what we're posting to the NBC News account would be straight UGC too. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, Devin, I want to I want to give you space for what you were about to say. No, yeah, I was going to say Exactly, kind of what Steph said. Like a lot of times on the news account, it is sort of like here's the clip with a with a bit of context, um, and you know, like this moose example is a very very unique one. I think how we try to approach it too is like with everything that we're posting, right? It's like a data point, right? So we try to if we're going to post the same video to both news and stay tuned, we want to make slight tweaks so that we're not posting the exact same thing so that, you know, we may get a return on, oh, actually this video performed better here in a way that we framed it. And this video didn't perform as well. And that's, you know, data that we have the next go around. We try not to cannibalize ourselves by posting the exact same clip. Um, And I would say it's rare that we even do 
kind of the same story in this way, like the Moose video. Some videos are so good that you're like, we just got to put it everywhere, like the Moose video. Um, but most of the time, we'll sort of look at a clip and then sort of decide, does this make more sense as a news video or a stay tuned video? Sometimes it's, you know, bandwidth. You know, it's like, okay, we have sort of like four or five videos going out of news right now. Um, stay tuned actually needs something to cover. Maybe we'll take the story and, and sort of make it work for stay tuned as well. Got it. And is there an element to this? Like, so NBC News has 4 million followers on its TikTok account. Stay tuned has 1.1 million. I imagine there's some overlap there, but obviously like pretty significant difference in the terms of the overall follower accounts. Are you at all having to think, oh, how do we you know, make sure these are different in, in case a person sees both of these videos pop up on their feed? I don't even know like to what extent you would be able to gauge what the overlap is among audiences, let alone among like individual exposures to a given video. But is that something at all you have to be thinking about? I think a bit. I think between the, the various accounts that we have, you know, we have... NBC News, stay tuned, MSNBC, Today Show has an account. These are all under the news group. And a lot of the time, the, when mostly when we're doing similar clips across multiple accounts, we're using those clips that are probably going to go viral no matter where you put them. So the Moose video is a good example of this. No matter who posts that clip, it's probably going to get a significant number of views. But the the different types of content that we're doing across these other accounts um, feels probably a little bit more native to the respective brands. Um, and the way that we're trying to, you know, kind of like pivot those viral news clips um, based on the account is essentially so that if you see it twice, you might not recognize it as the same clip twice. And you might um, watch it from both of our or various accounts that we own more than once, um, like Devin was saying earlier. Because there is so much news on a daily basis, how, like, I don't know if there's a hard and fast, any like hard and fast rules to really any of this at this point, but is it something where, okay, for every moose video, we need to have three kind of like hard news videos or for every hard news video, we need three moose videos. I wouldn't say we are doing exactly that, but there is some of that thought process behind our strategy. It's also, as Devin said before, it has to do with our bandwidth too. Um, you know, those kind of quick turn clips are quicker and faster to get out there. And that can sometimes be what we lean on a little bit more because that'll help our post volume. The stuff that Devin's team is creating might take a little bit longer to produce. It might take, you know, a, a few days of working with a reporter or a correspondent um, to get something off the ground. So it's a little bit more based on, um, you know, how much we're able to produce in, in a day versus, you know, we need three of these kind of viral type clips in order for it to help another one, though that does help. And I think, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. And in, in some ways, having those viral clips, I think, helps the overall health of the accounts. And then, Devin, for those videos, like your team is doing, where, like you mentioned, sometimes, like, these feature type videos can be done in three hours. This, you know, Stephanie just alluded to, sometimes it can be days. Is there, like, a general process that you have in terms of like how long it you know takes to go from coming up with idea i imagine there's probably a script that gets written either shooting or like finding the clips to put together the editing process all that i'm not going to give you the satisfying answer which is just like <laughs> it varies because yeah. it really does right like it's like some stuff that is explanatory like we turn around really quick um you know like 
it depends on who we're working with sometimes. Um, so my team works a lot with the print side. On the news side, there are people who we work with all the time who are a bit quicker. It depends on their schedules and when they can get stuff back to us. On the MS side, we work with people who are so fast where we'll be like, hey, we have an idea for this thing. They'll shoot us over a video in 15, 20 minutes. You know, we're subtitling it, adding graphics to it and getting it up in, you know, hour, an hour and a half. Um, you know, like that many video, I think, published maybe 30 minutes after Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave, you know, her her speech. So it all varies, you know, and then there depends. Sometimes our team also does some like original reporting. Um, one of the producers from our team, Alec, um, did this great video on the Damar Hamlin conspiracy theory. And so that was something that he spent a couple of days on looking into and finding examples of and sort of thinking through how he's going to present it. Um, so it does, it, it, you know, it varies from video to video. You know, it's like we treat sort of how long things should take similar to like how long video should be. It's like it should take as long as it needs to take and it should be as long as it needs to be. Like we don't have hard and fast rules in terms of like, you know, this TikTok needs to be produced in two days. You know, like there's things that if we think it's worth the investment, we'll spend longer on. Um, and then, you know, like Steph said, it's like, oh, if we're going to spend maybe three days working on um, a story. You know, Alec will also be producing some quicker hits um, during that time as well um, so that we can keep our cadence up, too. Got it. Yeah, because like for the videos that your team's putting together, is there a number of how many of those you aim to get out each week? Each day is a bit different depending on the news cycle. But, you know, in terms of like writing original scripts um, with context, like a producer in a, in, a, in a day, if they're sort of like all the information is kind of there for you and you're just sort of piecing it together, they can do two to three of those scripts in a day from start to finish. Um, pitching it, producing, you know, editing it um, and getting it up. Um, so really just sort of depends on, you know, like how much more research needs to be done, how much coordination needs to be done if we're working with the print side or is, is this a story that we already have um, all the pieces for. Um, but, yeah, if we have all the pieces, they, they, they're they pretty quick at, at sort of piecing stuff together and getting it out. Okay, so it's not like each week your team has to have a minimum of you know six videos, or you know every person on your team has to like have two videos that they get out. No, we really like, and this was a big discussion um, when me and Steph were first building these teams. Right, we were looking at our competitors and and seeing what they were doing day to day, um, and trying to figure out like what is how can we win in this game. And just looking at our competitors, like the thing that we noticed immediately is a lot of them post a lot of times during the day, you know. Um, and what we were seeing was most of those videos weren't performing. Um, you know, there was like a slim number of, of those videos that were actually hitting. Um, and as we were starting to build the team, you know, we were building these teams from scratch. So we didn't have a large team. So we're like, we can't even, even if we wanted to play that volume game, we didn't think it was the right um, way to win on a platform. But even if we wanted to play the like pure volume game, we weren't going to win at that. Um, so we were like, we should focus on sort of quality um, over quantity. So that has really been our big focus, right? It's like not necessarily putting out the most videos, but putting out um, videos that are going to perform the best. You know, like we, a big sort of metric we always look at is like, 
what are our interactions per post um, versus like pure volume play. So that's really, you know, like as producers and as managers, we definitely have a sort of an understanding of like generally what output looks like. But we don't have straight like, hey, you have to put out six videos for the week because, like I said, a producer may be working on a story that takes three days. Right. And that story, we may believe that story is important between how many views it's going to get. And internally, we have sort of goals as well. Right. In terms of like this is important for the brand. This is important reporting. And even if it's not going to get, you know, 10, 20 million views, we feel like it's important for us to be producing this video. Um but there are, you know, sort of no hard and fast, like, you know, everybody needs to produce 10 videos by the end of the week. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Nine years ago, I was at, you know, some YouTube thing. Um, <laughs> that sounds super specific. <laughs> but, like, I remember the YouTube execs, it was, you know, for, I think it was for brands, and they were, like, trying to get brands to, like, have their own YouTube channels and all that. And I got to sit in on it. And they talked about this strategy. It was like three H's. Hygiene, Hub, and Hero. I don't remember what Hub referred to, but Hero was basically like the big splashy videos that you can't do day in, day out. But like those are going to be like the broad audience driving videos. And then Hygiene was like, the stuff you can be getting up, you know, daily or like this is YouTube, like more likely weekly or a couple times a week and like to have something for your audience. So you're constantly in the mix. Devin, it sounds like your team is like on that hero end of things where harder to have like those hard and fast rules of like how many to get out. Stephanie, it sounds like your team is kind of like the plays that hygiene role. And so is there for your team more of a volume goal in terms of like how many videos to be posting daily to the TikTok accounts? Yeah, there's not as much of a, a, an exact volume goal. I mean, I think we aim to generally put out probably between three to five videos per day minimum on TikTok alone. Um, but it mostly depends on what the news cycle looks like that day. You know, if it's a busy news day, we might get more than five. Um, but if it's really slow, we might kind of, you know, really pine for those three videos that might work. Um, but it really depends on the time. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about it now because we are about exactly a year from um, the war in Ukraine beginning. And that was really when, you know, we saw the beginning of our massive growth on TikTok. Um, so at that time, we were posting probably upwards of 10 videos a day. Um, and, you know, it was it was a lot of content, but it was being heavily consumed by our audience. Um, there was such a huge appetite for content coming out of Ukraine on the ground. We were lucky to have correspondents there, to have reporters there who were able to send stuff back. Um, we're lucky to work at a place with tons of resources too. So, you know, our social news gathering team was actively working to clear video from um, the ground to get UGC and verify it. And as that was happening, we were taking those pieces of content, turning them very quickly, adding the proper context and putting them on TikTok. And it, you know, it was the first, um, you know, war to break out in the age of modern social media. So there was just a huge appetite that we saw from our audience for um, content around that storyline. And, and we really, you know, took it all the way home. Um, so, 
at that point, we were probably producing 10 to 15 videos a day, and they were seeing millions, tens of millions of views a lot of the time. Um, so I, I would say, you know, during those kind of huge news moments, we're going to take as much as we can get. During the day-to-day experience, it's a little bit more like, you know, three to five if we can. Um, but when all hands are on deck, we'll we'll really turn them out. Got it. And, you know, before we all got started, um, you know, Ben, our producer, was you know, mentioning this newsletter he reads where, you know, I think it was a piece talking about news publishers on TikTok, really news audiences on TikTok, because I think uh, what he was mentioning about the piece is like, there can be a lot of people on TikTok who are just like, oh, news publishers aren't, you know, covering. I think the example he used was the train crash in Ohio. Like, why is no one talking about this? I saw it. It's, you know, covered on the NBC News TikTok account. So you were all on there, but it kind of gets at this idea of, how to it's not specific to tiktok but like news outlets you know serving the audience or covering the news that the audience expects to see but i imagine tiktok throws something of a curveball into the conversation because there is a timeliness to the platform but that algorithm doesn't always reward timeliness um like you know sometimes videos can pop immediately and like if you get it on a trend early that really helps sometimes like those trends don't pop until you know weeks sometimes after like corn kid i mean i remember seeing that first video um the original you know video weeks before the remix and then everything blew up there so stuffy for your team with like breaking news or like not even like big breaking news like you know war in ukraine a year ago but like mid-level you know breaking news how do you determine like is this something we need to cover that our audience is going to expect to cover because i imagine there are also times where like oh, our audience may not be aware of this but that's our role as nbc news to make them aware yeah i think we we feel a lot of that responsibility um a lot of the content we do is similar to what other news publishers are doing. I think the difference in what and how we try to approach it is that we want to give it the proper context. We want to take a beat and make sure that we are sharing content that, you know, it's Yes, they're quick turns, but we're really putting thought into how we're presenting them and making sure that our audience can see us as, okay, this is an authority figure telling us, you know, what is happening in the world. And we want to make sure that the content that we're putting out doesn't leave any questions, um, you know, for the viewer. So there is certainly a lot of pressure to be fast and um, get stuff out as soon as, you know, it airs, as it's live. But from my perspective, just kind of taking a beat and recognizing how can we put our own spin on this to make it as consumable for the audience as possible, as digestible as possible, it's worth taking that extra second. Um, and I think that's what our team is, our teams together are so great at doing is really taking that extra time to um, make content worth viewing. And that's why our engagement is so high too. Got it. Okay. Um, I want to get a little, we've been pretty in the weeds with this conversation, but I want to get like in the weeds for, for all like our video nerds out there who are listening to this conversation. On YouTube, like the big thing is title and thumbnail. This is a packaging question. Title and thumbnail on YouTube. On TikTok, it's you know kind of thumbnail, but it's like that animated thumbnail. And it's not, I don't know if you can be like taking, like creating a, a separate thumbnail specifically for TikTok. I think it's just pulling a clip from the video. At least I haven't seen any option on there. Okay. So with that, like, are you all 
shooting or editing these videos in a way to like make sure, okay, I know what the thumbnail is going to be on TikTok and then what goes into that? I would say it's a bit more, what we're more focused on is, you know, very few people are seeing those thumbnails, right? The only people who are truly seeing those thumbnails are the people who are going to our profile and then seeing what videos we posted. What we did see around, you know, the start of the war in Ukraine is that we were getting a lot of referral traffic that way. And we became really cognizant of like, what is the framing more so of like our cover text, what we call it internally, right? Like what is going to be the in for the video for someone who's just watching? Like you said, like we don't have as much um, wiggle room in terms of what the art is besides what's in the video itself. So we try to pick a compelling image, but really focus in on like, what is this cover text? Um, but more importantly, you know, we're focused on like how most people are going to see it, which is in feed. So we are really focused on the, the first couple of seconds of the video and, and to Steph's point. Even, you know, I think there's like this misconception with quick turns as, as if they're just like, just easy to do. But they are actually hard in thinking about, especially on a platform like um, TikTok, where you have to immediately get the audience's attention and give them all the context that they need to watch the video longer than like a second. And you have like a second to do that. And I think that's what our teams are so good at, right? It's not just seeing, okay, this is a viral clip. It's like seeing this is a viral clip and then figuring out how should we cut this clip so that like, you know, maybe people aren't going to watch the first 20 or 30 seconds um, that are more boring to lead up to the thing that's really exciting. Like, how are they going to cut the clip so that we get the exciting part? But then we also have the context. Um, and our team is it's like mo- some of the most innovative stuff that we do, we experiment with um, with the quick turns. And then we start to implement it in, in sort of longer stuff that we do. So we do a lot of sort of like innovative stuff in the quick turns as a way to sort of capture people's attention, but still give that proper context. Um, and it's interesting now, like I'm seeing, um, you know, like creators now mimicking some of the stuff that we do um, on TikTok, which is oh, interesting. Like so uh, giving away one of our secrets that we call. <laughs> give away um, all the secrets. <laughs> this thing we do called the loop, right? Which is, you know, great thing about TikTok is that the videos loop. So um, we use that to our advantage. Um, traditionally, you know, sort of how news packages will work is that like you put the exciting thing up top, right? And then you'll play through the story and then that exciting thing will play again. Um, and I think Gab on our team was the first person to like think this through. But like something that our team does is because it's a loop, you only have to put the exciting thing in once. Um, so you start with the, like the best part, then you loop back to the beginning. So you have context leading up to it. And then it auto plays back to the beginning to that best part again. So I've seen creators do this where they're starting their videos kind of mid video, right? The, the one I saw the other day was someone listing three things, uh, that they, I don't, I think it was some sort of meditation thing that they were talking through and they started with. Number three, <laughs> which was like, you know, really interesting. And then they went back into the context of leading into so that, you know, three makes more sense. But three grabs your attention immediately and then work yourself backwards. Um, so that's, you know, one of the tricks that that our team does. And I think that is sort of the thing that sets us apart, even when we're covering a lot of the same content of these other 
um, publishers is that we're not just thinking in terms of like, oh, this thing aired on TV. Let's just cut it and, and post it. You know, like we're thinking like even when we're pulling stuff from TV, how do we sort of cut this up so that it's, um, you know, going to work within TikTok? Yeah, it's so true. We love the loop. The thing with the loop, too, is that it's so native to TikTok because not every social platform will replay automatically um, a video and TikTok does. So it's kind of a double whammy in that we're giving you the most interesting piece first, but we might get you to watch twice as well. Right. Yeah. It is also, I mean, it's something that um, creators, publishers have been also using with YouTube Shorts because YouTube Shorts a loop. And I remember, you know, this was probably close to a year ago at this point, like talking to, you know, some people who are just like, yeah, like the loop is the greatest thing in the world because especially on YouTube, YouTube cares so much about watch time that if you're getting these like repeated views where like your watch time number is, you know, or the um, completion rate is 120%. I mean, that's unheard of for a traditional YouTube video, but for a short, it's very much feasible and obviously for a TikTok too. So Devin, you shared your one secret. Stephanie, do you have any secrets you could share in terms of like, things you can do with videos that help to give them a bit of a boost? Well, I think Devin kind of nailed it before when he said, you know, we have one second. We used to say on social that for video, you had about three seconds to capture someone's attention. On TikTok, it's so different. It's literally one second. Like if we don't capture the audience's attention immediately, they're probably going to keep scrolling. I mean, I think we all know how we use TikTok. I will just keep scrolling until I see something that I find interesting. So it's been really fascinating to see the way our team has kind of pivoted to from, you know, that three second mark of like, we had a little bit of time to convince you to watch this. So we literally have one second. And sometimes we'll, you know, Gab on my team, will do it on videos that are so unexpected. There was this one school board video she worked on out of Texas a few months ago. How do you get people on TikTok to watch a school board video? It got millions of views. It was so impressive to me because she literally had one second to convince people to watch this and she nailed it. Um, so it's it's really interesting the way that as the platforms shift, we kind of have to shift our perspective of, you know, audience behavior too. And is there like a best practice or kind of like a, a set of best practices for like what works or what to look for to make that first second? It's easy on those viral videos where, you know, you have a moose kicking a woman in the head and that's always going to be interesting and engaging. It's a little bit different when you have that school board video. So it kind of does come back to that that loop idea where we're going to put that most interesting piece of the video first or the most interesting piece of the quote first and we might loop back. Um, So you kind of might watch it twice. Um, But we don't have a specific framework for how we do it. It's amazing how our teams have kind of just like latched onto the idea and how much they use it now. Um, But I think it really comes back to just using the most interesting piece first and then following up with the context that's needed. And and sometimes what my team does as as another trick is right. Like because you have such a limited time to, to get people's attention, a lot of sort of what my team does, right. Is like commentary on the thing that people may already be familiar with. So we start with context that you may already know, right? So that's, you know, the big thing on TikTok as well is like Stitch um, and like taking someone else's video and then adding your own sort of context or something to it. Um, so that is another thing that we do use um, when we're doing sort of like explainers or debunking things is like starting with that piece of information that you um, are familiar with. 
um, and then reacting to it. So I think a, a great example of uh, this um, on sort of the EMS side that we did um, somewhat recently is that there was this viral Newsmax clip going around of this guy saying that he'd been to the American um, Girl doll store and could not find any white dolls in the entire store for his for his white daughter. Um, and Manny, who was actually in the office that day, and he's like, that's literally downstairs. I should go downstairs and like see if this doll is there. So stitching that initial like, OK, we've seen this guy talking about this thing and then stitching it with like, all right, we're going to actually go and try to see if we could find the white of course, there were plenty of white dolls <laughs> in the store, right? But we could have started that video with Manny just in the, you know, at the American Doll store being like, hey, you may be familiar with this Newsmax video and then play it and then go back to him. But that's not native to the platform, right? The platform is like, okay, you see this thing and then you add context to it. So starting with the thing that we're going to add context to rather than starting with our video then going to the context and coming back to us. Something we do there too is kind of clue the audience in to what's about to come. So on those stitch videos, we'll often put the phrase stitch incoming so that the audience knows that like, I might have seen this video already floating around the internet, but we have something to add to it. So we're kind of cluing them in on keep watching. Um, so that's that's kind of a, a thing we do sometimes. Right, too. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that's something where like, Devin, as you mentioned, this is you know stitching native to the platform, but it's also the kind of thing where you can do it you know, within the, you know, video, you don't have to do it within the platform. So then it can be applied to a YouTube short or an Instagram reel. But there's been, I mean, all the, you know, talk and like all the, you know, creator discords and the, the group chats and everything over the past couple of years has been, okay, you know, is there a boost to videos if you use TikTok's native tools? Is there a boost to videos if they're shot natively within TikTok? And, and this you know, also applies to YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels. How much are you guys doing within the platforms themselves when it comes to either shooting or editing videos? And how much of it is just done? Like, I think you're all a premiere shop. Like, how much is done in the editing software? And so then the same video can go up into all the different places and you're not doing anything in platform. Yeah. So it's funny you say that, right? Because when I started, me and Steph, this was a, a conversation that we were constantly having because we would have conversations with TikTok and they would say, you have to do like the more stuff you do within the app, you know, the better it's going to perform. But we were thinking in terms of scale, we're like, if we're going to be hiring producers and putting out videos quickly, how are we going to be editing all of these videos within the app? Which, you know, we're doing stuff that's a bit more complex. Um so we were like, we just kind of made the decision, like, we're just going to kind of ignore this advice to some degree <laughs> um, and like try to mimic what it looks like in TikTok, in Premiere. Um, so for the most part, you know, well, all of our videos at this point are hitting Premiere at some point. There are some instances where we'll add um, additional elements to the video within the app. But for the most part, we're editing everything within Premiere in a style that feels native to TikTok. Um, and a few months after we had that initial meeting with TikTok, we just sort of re-asked the question, not even sort of referencing that we had asked them it before. And they're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter where you uh, <laughs> sort of edit your video. Like, you could do it in app, you could do it in Premiere, as long as it looks native. Like, we're able to read the text in the video um, and sort of apply the same things that we would um, if you were to type the text within the app. 
Um, that being said, we still sort of experiment with it, especially with like some text on screen stuff. We use the like talk to um, text feature a lot, um, which you have to do with any app. Um, but I would, I don't think we have any hard numbers to say like, hey, if you do this thing with any app, it's going to perform better than um, something that um, if we're editing it in Premiere. Yeah, we've tried to track it. We've tried to see if there's any difference and we just haven't noticed any really. Okay. And what about things like like the the trending effects like you know right now as we're talking i think like the big one on tiktok is that teenage filter where like you get to see yourself as you look like a teenager i tried it, it was complete bullshit like i didn't look like that <laughs> yeah. at all. But, but okay but is that something where like when there are these trending effects on tiktok do you all try to incorporate that at all not as much on the news account yeah um, I, I would say that's another thing that we've sort of in the beginning, we stay tuned. We really leaned heavily into that. And we just didn't, like, we felt like we were sort of forcing it to some degree, right? Where it's a hard thing to try to be like, what is the news of the day? And then how does that play into this currently trending random thing on TikTok, right? It's like, it, that doesn't feel native either, right? It feels like, you know, like, hey, kids, like, I, I can talk TikTok too. It's like, just post the video. Like, you don't need to sort of fit it into this meme. That being said, there are times when there's a meme and then we have a news video and we're like, oh, this, these two things work perfectly together. So, for example, there were two recent examples on MS that we did this with. Um, one, what more recently was there's that Stranger Things. Uh, I forget the, uh, yeah. the kid's name. The, it's not Will. He's the other one. The, yeah, it was, it's been a while since I've watched. Yeah, I but, he, it but he snaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he snaps. Right. So there's like something in the beginning. There's a snap, and there's a transition. So we use this on MS with Trump talking about like, hey, if you played the fifth, you're guilty. Snapping. He recently pled the fifth. That video has millions of views. Right. So it's like it fits. There's a transition. It's native. It works like that's when we've seen return on it. Where we haven't seen return is where we're trying to like squeeze something in that like doesn't quite work. Yeah, we can't try too hard. I think that's that's always been the basis of our strategy has been to approach the platform very natively. It has to feel like it fits. It can't feel like we're trying too hard. And I think from a brand like NBC News, in that way, it can be a little bit different from Stay Tuned as the kind of younger, more Gen Z brand. It feels more natural coming from that brand than it does NBC News. If you see NBC News trying to be like down with the kids, it just kind of (laughs) feels a little bit off. And we're not trying to, you know, fool anyone into following us. You know, what you see is what you get. Like, you're going to get real legitimate news. You're going to get verified information. But then on a, on a brand like Stay Tuned, there's a little bit more leeway on MSNBC, too, because it's a little bit more personality-based, analysis-based. Um, so we try to approach the different brands differently, too, when it comes to those trends and sounds and things like that. Okay, that's probably a good note to end on, especially because we're going long. You all have a lot of work to do as we've just been covered throughout this conversation. So, Stephanie, Devin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed speaking with both of you. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you.